0: David Rowe, State Representative, 85th District, Republican freshman lawmaker in Harrisburg. Did you see this uh, event yesterday in, in the State House?
1: Well, good morning, Mark. Good morning,
0: Joe. Thank you for having
1: me. I I was actually uh, uh, voting remotely yesterday as I had a couple of events in the district, a couple of uh, appointments already scheduled. Uh, but I was watching the live streams on Facebook uh, that were being uh broadcasted by a couple of different representatives uh, and was able to uh, witness the entire thing was on the phone with a couple of my colleagues as well who were keeping me apprised of the situation
0: uh, situation well your reaction to their call for action on certain bills the content of those bills and uh, uh, tell us your view on all this
1: well unfortunately I think we just uh, witnessed uh, some very dramatic political theater. Uh, Not that any of these legislators, uh, you know, uh, issues that they wish to advocate for, uh, that they are not necessarily not passionate about them. Uh, But there was certainly a legislative process and a a set decorum that has existed in the House of Representatives for centuries, uh, and yesterday that was just all thrown out the window. Uh, We had, uh, you know, a a number of people essentially seize control and shut down the entire House of Representatives and shut down the ability for the elected body to function uh, as it has been elected by the people to do. Uh, You know, it was evident after the fact when... Uh, the Speaker essentially asked, the, asked the, the demonstrators, you know, well, where is this list? They kept talking about they had all these bills that they felt were stalled. They were uh, advocating for these bills that they claim were being blocked. Uh, but when they were asked for the list, they didn't even have one prepared. Uh, we didn't even receive the list. I only received it about half an hour ago, finally. Uh, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, where most of these bills are parked, uh, had said that not a single one of these members had approached him ever uh, about uh, moving their bill. And a lot of these were veteran lawmakers who, who are well aware of the legislative process that when it comes to advocating for a cause, one of the first steps is working with the chairman of the committee where it has been referred to uh, to begin developing a plan to moving, for moving the bill forward. And not one of these uh, lawmakers ever approached the judiciary chairman about any of these bills
2: but should they uh, have so to but should they have to dave shouldn't the chairman be moving them on his own if they have merit why should they have to approach well, him the,
1: so the, the number of bills that are 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 drafted introduced i mean that bills are introduced by the thousands uh so typically uh, anytime a bill moves it is brought to the attention of the chairman uh by one of the authors of that bill uh and and so it's rather than the the chairman necessarily picking and choosing from a whole list which is which is certainly within their prerogative Uh, many times when there is an issue that a lawmaker is passionate about that perhaps isn't on the radar of the chairman uh, it's that lawmaker's duty to advocate for that issue to that chairman, and that has been the process, uh, you know, for for centuries in the House of Representatives. Uh, but that seems to have been thrown out the window. Even the even the Democratic staff in the Judiciary Committee did not know what bills the protesters were advocating for at the time.
0: Do you favor? Uh, if you read Penn Live the next day, you can find out what the bills are. They have a list of them. So that not with the bill mm-hmm. numbers that would probably be helpful to you. One would have a, a red. Registry of police officers that have a series of serious infractions. Would you favor that idea? Well, there's a lot
1: of uh, excellent bills, uh, excellent ideas that they are promoting, and that that is the uh, the other uh, prime demonstration that this was nothing more than political theater. Unfortunately, is because there were several opportunities uh, in some of their uh, some of the bills they're advocating for it to work across the aisle. Uh, The minority whip, Jordan Harris, uh, uh, commented uh, that one of the bills, well, one uh, policy objective he was interested in was uh, transparency in union negotiations to ensure that workers' rights are protected. And, you know, transparency in union negotiations has been a, uh, a Republican objective for a long time, so there's definitely an opportunity for bipartisanship there. You know, we have been working on criminal justice reform options. You know, if it's you know, reforming civil asset forfeiture or banning no-knock warrants, there are there is lots of, of policy objectives that are bipartisan in nature. Uh, and at no point was I or any other uh, Republican member approached uh, by these uh, by these lawmakers to to co-author, or to co-sponsor, or to work together on any of these issues that many of them, oh, well, we could have worked across the aisle on.
2: You use the word you could have worked, worked worked across the aisle on. Does that indicate that the feeling on the Republican side now is so bitter they don't even want to have a legitimate discussion with these people or the pro- protesters about their issues?
1: No, absolutely not. In fact, we, uh, we just had a, uh, a caucus early this morning, uh, and we were you know, discussing a lot of the issues, and, and some of the issues uh, we were actually already working on. Uh, and so the uh, a lot of the issues that they are passionate about, you know, we have a respect for that and a lot of the issues we can definitely work on uh, but uh, you know uh, commandeering the rostrum uh, and essentially shutting down the functions of the house uh, sets a very dangerous precedent going forward uh, to where policy and uh the uh scheduling of bills has been determined uh by the speaker and the leadership which is determined by the majority party which is determined by the voters of pennsylvania and so uh the the solution to this issue uh is you know the the uh policies that the democrats have been advocating for has not allowed them to have the majority in the house And the solution is not for them to simply seize control of the rostrum in defiance of the voters of Pennsylvania, uh, because that does set a very dangerous precedent going forward to whoever can get the most people at the rostrum first decides what happens. Uh, And that's going to be a very disorganized uh, House of Representatives very quickly.
2: But don't you have a sergeant-at-arms who would have been responsible for maintaining order in the chamber?
1: Yes, and the sergeant of arms uh, serves at the pleasure of the Speaker, uh, and I, while I would not necessarily want to speak for uh, speak for Speaker Terzai. I believe that his intent, uh, I believe he realized uh, that uh, they were hoping that this stunt would get them uh, a significant amount of press, and I think that the Speaker thought that uh, uh, perhaps forcibly removing them from the roster would only uh, exacerbate that. So he uh, instead opted to allow them their, their time to uh, speak and to demonstrate. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you saw it, the speaker himself. Uh, offered some words to try to diffuse the situation uh, and to try to bring them to the table for a discussion uh, and the lack of preparation when it came to having that meeting where they didn't even have their list of bills prepared uh, would seem to suggest that they were expecting to be forced off the rostrum, I and they weren't expecting any sort of uh, conversation to take place after the demonstration.
2: Well you can't deny that they got everybody's attention from that standpoint okay, it worked.
1: <laughs> They certainly did, although I, I'm not sure if they again, it sets a very dangerous precedent going forward. Uh, you know, in, at some point in the near future, uh, at some point in the future, as always happens, you know, I'm sure the, uh, the General Assembly might be in Democratic uh, majority hands as uh, these things go back and forth from time to time. You know, the political pendulum swings. And I would wonder if the, uh, the House Democrats would uh, be so uh, enthused about civil disobedience uh, if the pro-life caucus were to block the operations of the house until the heartbeat bill was run or if the second amendment caucus was to block operations of the house until constitutional carry was passed uh and so the democrats need to keep in mind that these sort of tactics uh might play well to the media in the short term, uh, but in the long term, they need to consider the ramifications of their actions.
0: Good point. Would there ever be a point where you would speak out a turn or demonstrate or seize the rostrum, or break ranks uh, from your fellow Republicans if you felt super strongly about some particular issue or bill that wasn't getting addressed or institution or systemic issue that was being ignored? Is there anything in your life that you feel so strongly about that you'd be willing to demonstrate?
1: Well, I think that it's very important to maintain and respect the, the rules and the procedures uh, uh, that we have established in the House of Representatives. And there are several issues, as, as, as you both know, that I am very passionate about. Uh, uh, that, you know, I have been frustrated, have not been have uh, run in the House. There's, there's two bills I just mentioned, the constitutional carry bill, uh, the uh, heartbeat bill, bills that I'm very passionate about that haven't been run, uh, but it is uh, not a acceptable precedent to simply ignore the written rules to try to uh, demand a shortcut. Rather, uh, it has been the objective of uh, my fellow colleagues and myself to to lobby uh, leadership and the various chairmen and to work with various advocacy groups uh, to try and accomplish our legislative objectives uh, within the confines of the established procedure and precedent.
0: Is there any cause to which you would do what they did?
1: I cannot see myself at any point uh, upending uh, centuries of established decorum and order uh, to simply uh, to simply make a statement. Uh, There are plenty of opportunities to speak on the House floor. There are opportunities to speak as points of personal privilege, uh, where any member can uh, speak from the floor on an issue that they are passionate about, that they can advocate for. uh, And that will certainly be a route that I would take to speak on an issue I was passionate about. uh, But to shut down the House of Representatives in defiance of uh, the entire Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, uh, I think is a very dangerous thing. We had a number of uh, bills that were really important bills uh, regarding uh, reimbursement for uh, personal protective equipment for long-term care facilities, which as we know have just been uh, just devastated uh, by the wolf policies of mandated readmittance for COVID positive patients. Uh, and we were trying to work to help them. Uh, we are working on uh, tax uh, tax issues, tax relief for home buyers uh, and a number of things that were sadly sidelined uh, by this spectacle and uh, Pennsylvanians will be worse off because of the delay.
2: Well, let me ask you this. This was primarily the black caucus in the House. What did the House Democrats generally feel about this? Did they support it, or did they join you in thinking that the rule should have been followed?
1: Uh, I have not spoke to any of my Democratic colleagues about uh, their, their thoughts on the matter, so I, I couldn't speak, to, uh, speak for them on it.
0: All right. Well, thank you. Anything else to add about these important topics? We'll definitely schedule a lengthier interview with them, talking about all the everything else, <laughs> as they say, because there's a ton going on. Uh, but anything you'd like yeah. to add now?
1: Well, absolutely. You know, I, I think that there is certainly an opportunity here, and you know, the, the death of George Floyd, which was which was tragic, and I'm very glad that there is an investigation uh, into that issue. Uh, you know, that was, I think, a, a unifying issue for many people. You know, I, I think that the vast majority of people uh, see his death as avoidable, uh, and they see it as the opportunity to affect positive change. And as I mentioned, there are several uh, criminal justice reforms out there that we could certainly work towards uh, if it's civil asset forfeiture elimination or, you know, a ban on no-knock warrants that have, you know puts the uh, constitutional rights of Americans at risk. You know, the the, the, uh, the passion Behind the, the, the death of George Floyd Would have definitely been something That could have allowed us to make uh, Significant progress Forward on a lot of these issues uh, And it's unfortunate that it has become So heavily politicized uh, Whether it's by these sort of uh, Heavily partisan demonstrations Or uh, by the the, the Tragic uh, riots And looting that is happening in our major cities That ironically Disproportionately hurts black people uh, As uh you know we have minority owned storefronts and uh businesses that employ employ a vast majority of uh, minority people and they are the ones that are now losing their businesses and losing their livelihood uh, because of the violence and so we have this uh, contrast between the peaceful protesters that uh would be able to perhaps find common ground when it comes to criminal justice reform that republicans have advocated for for years uh, and then we have the other side of it, which, unfortunately, is hamstringing what could be a potentially uh, golden opportunity to make real positive change uh, in the criminal justice arena that the Republicans have been working to for a long time. You know, President Trump did lead uh, lead the way on signing several criminal justice reform bills in Pennsylvania. We have the Justice Reinvestment Initiative bills uh, that... Uh, were a huge role, and so these are the sorts of things that we could be working together on. And I would hope that in the future, uh, that you know, our, my fellow lawmakers would be more interested in in harnessing that passion for. Making positive change than they are for just getting headlines.
0: All right, well, keep in touch. Do check back in. Put a, put on your calendar in the next. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say 90 days, but in the next two weeks, check back in and ah. we'll we'll visit some of these bills plus the bills you're talking about that uh, you're championing. We we certainly are familiar with those. And uh, there's only so much time on the clock down there, so that's of course a limiting factor. But thank you so much. Keep in touch. Thanks, you have Dave. an open mic here anytime.
1: Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. Have a wonderful day, guys.
0: You too. David Rowe, state representative, freshman and Republican in the 85th district. He lives out of Lewisburg, business person. And uh, one of the bills he champions relates to individuals with special needs to make the playing field even more uh, fair for those individuals. And, of course, it's hard to get anything advanced. The The big bills are taking up all the space down there.